Hello, everyone. Hi, Rob. How are you doing? Doing great, Rory. How are you? I'm doing great today. I'm super excited about our guest. Uh, I've uh, hit her up on LinkedIn. I said, we got to have you on. Uh, she has over 20 years of experience in the accounting profession, Rob. Uh, she served as a national bookkeeping lead for Deloitte. She was an accountants group leader for Sage and is now the chief global development officer for High Rock Accounting. She's a dynamic speaker, an accounting vanguard, a technology advocate, and is passionate about revolutionizing the future of accounting. With all that being said, Rob, I'd like to introduce our guest today, Rachel Fish. Rachel, welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thank you so much. That was quite an impressive <laughs> intro. Thanks, Rory. I was like, do you have to say the years? You don't. Have to say <laughs> you've got you've got my vote, Rachel. That was an incredible. And and, and uh, rightfully so. I mean, it that wrote itself. Impressive. Yeah. Um. So just getting started here. Could you provide our audience with a little bit about your background and how it's led you to be um you know, a world domination ambassador for, for high rock accounting. <laughs> sure. So first of all, CPA world domination is like the high rock accounting tagline. So anytime you like search the hashtag, you'll find something to do with high rock accounting. That's just kind of our big motto. Um, so I will certainly say, I will start off by saying that um, I never expected to end up where I am on the journey that I am, but I will say that every role that I've had has given me exactly the skills that I needed for the next thing. And so it's funny, you know, my one of my daughters is freaking out because she's in the 10th grade and has to have her whole career planned out. I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> like start with step one, um, you know, an education track you like. Yeah. But yeah, no, I never would have, I never would have thought um, that I would be in a role like this. So First of all, what is it that I do? So as Chief Global Development Officer, my role at HIROC is to expand the global footprint of HIROC. So through that mergers and acquisitions, and also taking a look at us ourselves internally to make sure that we're actually prepared to scale, which I think is really critical that if you know you are going, if you have pretty aggressive growth targets, that you prepare internally for that um, and spend that time to kind of, you know, clean, clean the house before the house home housekeeper comes. So yeah, that's what I spent a lot of last year doing. I love it. I love it. And I, you know, I was listening to a podcast you're on Rachel, or I read it somewhere. Um, and they were talking about high rocks growth. It's over like 60% on a year to year average when I think the yeah, yeah. average accounting profession is like 4.2. Uh, what do you contribute that, that those high growth numbers? What is the, the secret sauce for you guys, Rachel? I mean, we've got a lot of ingredients. Uh, I will give you a couple. I mean, you know, we do have, yeah, some secret ingredients in there as well. First of all, our CEO, Liz Mason, um, is a vanguard in her own right. Um, she has been um, an incredible ambassador for cloud accounting since its inception in the U.S. pretty much. Um, she and I met um, as all cloud accountants do on social media. And we, <laughs> <laughs> so we, we got to know each other's you know, tone and, and interests and things like that. Um, and then we were both invited to the first cohort of the accounting salon, um, which is a bit of a mastermind group, super proud to be part of it because it really is kind of the best of the best. And it really started with the concept of where do the conference speakers go to learn? Um, and so it's always like in the bars at the end of the conference session where, you know, <laughs> you're together and start sharing best practices or what are you up to now or 
or what do you see that's really cool that we could kind of dig into? So um, that was kind of the concept and it's grown tremendously even in the last couple of years. And now we have, we just welcomed our new 2022 cohort, uh, which is again, a fantastic group of, of cloud leaders. So I think that's step number one is just having a solid um, leader in the cloud accounting space that has been there for a while. Um, another one is secret sauce, secret sauce. <laughs> Um, I think that we look at growth in a very non-traditional way. So first of all, yes, you're correct. And this is over the life. This isn't us having a good year last year, Rory. This is like yeah. over the life of the firm for the last eight years, a consistent 60% year over year. Sometimes we're above that. Uh, I think in 2020, the first year of the pandemic, we, we were only at 40. Um, wow. <laughs> I think we ended up a little higher, but that was like, that was a slow year for us, right? Yeah. Um, and still like 10x the industry average. So um, it's a pretty it's a pretty cool place to be. But it, the way that we look at growth is very different. So where accounting firms look at, for example, securing one client at a time, we look at where are the communities of clients that we can get involved in so that when we do an outreach, we actually end up growing, you know, by groups of clients at a time instead of one at a time. We're also really picky on the kinds of clients that we want to work with. In fact, uh, we've done a lot of work over the last year in that desire to make sure that our processes are scalable. We've done a ton of work in terms of kind of the customer journey and our sales process. Mm -hmm. And the thing that we start with is not how many bank accounts do you have and how many currencies do you work in? It's your values. And do your values match our values? And are we just going to be cool client and accountant to work together. Um, and so we actually start our sales process with our values. And then we get into the details of your business a little later. So after once a fit has been recommended. So I think just the way that we look at how we engage in clients and the way that we look at the ways in which we can grow, I think are, are pretty important too. That, that all resonates in, incredibly. You know, Rory and, and myself, we helped run uh, AFO Wealth Management Forward, which, you know, part of that is to demystify technology and some of these best practices, in particular in the holistic wealth management space for accounting mm -hmm. firms to just easily be able to deploy and elevate their practice. Yeah. You guys have, you know, obviously a deep interest in technology and there's a ton of noise out there, you know, especially for all our beloved CPAs that are in the market right now. They're just bombarded by all different sides. How are you, how do you guys find clarity there? And, you know, what's your differentiating factor between yourself and maybe other people in the marketplace in terms of technology? Sure. Um, yeah. So I will say that the way that we look at technology and vet technology, I think is quite different from other accounting firms as well, especially from smaller firms. So I think with me having, you know, some spent some time at Deloitte with other of our leadership team, you know, at some other large regional and national firms as well. It's like, how can we take the best parts of what they do <laughs> and yet still stay nimble and, and, um, and again, scale at a rate they're completely unable to. So I think that part of it is the way in which we vet the technology and you have to start with your need. Don't start with a marketing pitch or what sounds great as a feature. Start with what are my pain points? What are my specific needs? So as I mentioned, we had gone through a very large technology project. We're still in the middle of it. It's, it's huge. Um, basically 
taking a look at our internal tech stack to see is it is the internal tech stack that we have able to allow us to grow in line with you know our our expectations or our goals and it really wasn't um, we were having trouble training the team on the different apps that we were using we were having trouble maintaining the integrations for the different apps that we were using but once we kind of sat back and instead of looking at well what do you like to use or what's a cool feature or has a nice color palette <laughs> it was about what are the things that we need? We need capacity planning. We need visibility into these different you know, elements. Um, we also want to be able to grow. So we need a platform that will grow with us. Uh, we need to be able to plug it into our, the best of breed technology that we know of. Um, and again, you know, I think sometimes you get to a point where once you're seeking things out enough, you become sought out. <laughs> and so that really helps as well. You know, having broad networks, having built broad networks over the last several years, you truly do get to see the best of the best technology out there. Um, and, and building the firm that we have, they want to partner with us. But yeah, start, always start with your needs, start with your pain points. Don't start with the marketing pitch. Yeah. And speaking of, of building a firm and, you know, now that we touched on technology, I'd like to talk about firm culture. And I know you've spoke about the, the human aspect of things, you know, we're in the professional services business. And in the end, you know, people are buying us. They have to trust us. They have to want to do business with us. Can you kind of touch on that human aspect, uh, Rachel, and what you guys are doing at High Rock Accounting uh, yeah. to help build that culture? You know, I've always said, anytime somebody asks me about High Rock, we're digital first, but we're human centric. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I would say that it is an effort to always remember the humans, right? Whether, whether they're clients, whether they're vendors, whether they're team members. And I don't mean that out of disrespect to any of those, but I would say that sometimes it feels like, especially when you're talking about technology and automation, you end up going down a rabbit hole. Like how yeah. can we completely automate this from end to end? Well, it's not, it's not just about putting in humans where they're required from a again, a pain point or a need basis, like where do we need a human to actually get on the phone and talk with this person? But it's where do we put a human that makes it the best customer experience for the client? Yeah. And even though you may be able to automate something and one of our tech leads, Christy, she's phenomenal. Um, just because you can automate something doesn't necessarily mean that you should or that you shouldn't use it as an innate, a human enabler as opposed to a human re replacer. But I, all of those things require a lot of thought oh. to figure out where the human should be and where the technology should be. So technology literally enables every single thing that we do, but we would not have the clients and the client relationships we do if we weren't human first. Yeah, no, you know, we, uh, like a lot of firms out there, you know, we're deep believers in software as well. And uh, I remember years ago when we were really trying to upgrade our CRM system, we were talking about all of the decision trees to be totally automated. So automatic emails, bring this in, you know, you bring a client in, it gets this automatic email, you get a response. It's going to know exactly what you respond. So it's going it, to, it'll just take care of itself. And we got so deep into the automation portion of it. Again, just like you said, we lost we lost sight of the fact that there needs to be some human interaction here. Rob actually know. turned into a robot first. Yeah, at one point I was just <laughs> responding to my Doing wife with auto reply features. And, yeah. and you know, 
And, um, and we see that with a lot of the accountants that we've worked with as well, is that they, they, they really, they see the potential of the software and they think they need to uh, take all of it on at once or it does, isn't going to work. And so we're constantly trying to tell people, like you said, you know, partner with the robots, don't fight them, don't give up to them, you know, but it, it is a dance of sorts. And yeah, just started yeah. started with it, so that that totally makes sense. And from our vantage point, is enormously ahead of the time uh, with a lot of unfortunately the accounting professionals that we're meeting out there in the marketplace. Yeah, no, yeah. absolutely, totally agree there. I liked your analogy of the dance. Um, <laughs> it's like you have to know where you are, you have to know where the other person is, you know, have to know the space in the room, you have to. Right. Right? There's a lot right. to think about at the same time. Um, it's, I mean, that's the whole thing about step change, right? Is, is that you want to be able to look past on the, the year and day by day, week by week, month by month, you've made very small changes that seem insignificant at the time, look back through the year and it's phenomenal how far you've come. I always say, how do you eat an elephant is one bite at a time. One bite at a time. Yeah, one bite right. at a time. Um, yeah. So kind of talking about, I want to talk about M&A with you here, Rachel. Sure. Um, you know, there's, there's a Canadian wealth management firm. And we spoke uh, to Barron's about it and they've like just come into the U S market and in the last 24 months, they've done 28 deals, uh, you know, like hundred billion dollars in, in wealth management assets. Um, and I know Blake Oliver, our friend, Blake Oliver over at earmark, uh, he had the Eisner Amper CEO on there and, you know, private equity is coming into our worlds. Um, you know, you've done some acquisitions here in some various sectors. Can you kind of talk about, your acquisition strategy, uh, and then touch on what you see as far as M&A activity uh, coming into the accounting profession. Oh, gosh, this could be a <laughs> whole episode on its own, Rory. Oh, my it? goodness. Okay, so here's what I see. Um, <laughs> personal opinion only. There should be like a disclaimer or something like we that. We have that. lots of disclaimers. Yeah. Whoever, yeah. okay. Don't worry. We have plenty yeah. of disclaimers at the beginning. and Perfect. At the end. Yeah. Perfect. So I will say that at first it made the most sense. Uh, I was coming into mergers and acquisitions where I had never done anything with mergers and acquisitions before. Mm -hmm. And so it made sense for us to kind of connect with the brokerage and what kind of you know, firms are for sale and what does that sales process look like? And we actually very quickly discovered that that was the worst approach for us. And the reason is because it puts price first. It does yeah. not put humans first. It does not put value first. It does not do any of those things. So the experience was that we were actually seeing some not terrible firms <laughs> that were getting listed for sale, but that were getting swooped up, in my opinion, overpriced uh, for what their financials actually said. Um, but they were getting scooped up by either traditional firms who just needed a cloud presence and weren't particularly fussy on what that presence looked like. Um, and then we were also, of course, running up against PE pretty significantly. Yeah. Um, and they were just, again, kind of grabbing everything that's out there. But we know that our success at High Rock comes from having shared values and being human centric. And so you don't find those people <laughs> um, on a broker listing. You don't. Um, because if they wanted to be human centric and values centric, then they would be reaching out through net. Like there's other ways that you would find them as opposed to being listed for sale. Another thing that we found was that by the time a firm is listed for sale, that's all they want done at the time. They want a transaction. 
So even us wanting to explore, you know, looking at the financials and looking at the information that you would get from a broker, even if something looked positive, <laughs> trying to flip it around and, and continue to have the human and values conversation was really challenging. So it was almost like where they were in their own sales cycle, as far as they were concerned, their work was done. They just wanted a buyer um, and, you know, first come first serve or top offer gets the pick or, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And so it just did not jive with our approach. Um, I will say that the three, so the two acquisitions that we've closed already in 2021, the one that we will be closing uh, this quarter in 2022, all started with relationships. Um, and in some cases, these are people that we've known for at least months, if not years, if not a decade. Um, and and what it ended up what ended up happening, and I've had some phenomenal conversations with accountants over the last year, but what I find, the most fruitful is that is having conversations with accountants where their team has gotten larger um, or they're not able to give their team members the opportunities that they wish they could um, just because of the size that they are. Um, they have been able, have had to say no to a lot of clients um, or aren't with their ideal you know, client uh, stack, I guess, mm -hmm. <laughs> set portfolio. Um, they want to be able to explore other industries or other things that are going on in the industry, or alternately, uh, they want to specialize and they know that they would have to kind of rip apart their firm in order to do that. And so being able to have conversations with accountants who own their firm, who have stopped dreaming about what they want to do and what their next step in their journey looks like, um, has been really eye-opening has been really enlightening. I think I even had a LinkedIn post, like it's like this dirty little secret in the industry that like 50% of firm owners out there wanna sell, but nobody wants to talk about it because of what yeah. that might mean for them or their, their team might find out or their clients yeah. might find out. But it's really about these firm owners wanting the best for their clients and their team and themselves and realizing that continuing in the way that they have may not be the best way to approach it. Yeah, I, again, we, really resonates with with us and what we've been doing. You know, um, we were just recently asked onto a panel by Schwab uh, around M and A as one of the successful smaller RIAs that were out there, yeah. and we really define ourselves as the anti private equity folks. You know, <laughs> uh, and everything you just said made a ton of sense. You know, people that were just looking for a transaction culturally didn't fit for us. You know, and um, you know, but there is this ability for these non-PE owned firms to come together, you know, unite themselves, integrate their resources, get better firing power and be completely unique because, you know, yeah. and private equity loves standardization and you're selling widgets, 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 That's and right. let's leverage the widgets and sell the widgets. And, you know, what we, we really believe that that specialization, that human aspect of it, there is a tremendous amount of opportunity for that counterbalance of that business uh, standpoint, and so that resonates uh, tremendously. I will say, you know, we've seen in the Great Resignation, uh, which is all over the place, and in particular in the accounting firm world, that you know, it the Great Resignation may not necessarily be from just the older folks that may be stopping no. a little bit. That's also from younger folks who are saying, oh my God, you're making me do this 
stuff to get my CPA. <laughs> and you're basically making me an indentured servant over here for like two years. You know, how are you guys seeing that as far as demographics is concerned, as far as the profession? Oh, gosh. Okay. So, I mean, I could quote you stats from the AICPA about, you know, CPA firms hiring non-CPAs yeah. um, and what that trend looks like, which of course is increasing on the non-CPA side, decreasing slightly on the CPA side. Um, also, the people going into, like the students actually going into the CPA program is decreasing slightly or, or at least plateauing where it was really taking off before. I will actually say that I've got some personal experience behind this because I'm a experienced professional who has yet to get my CPA. And it's actually because of their current model that makes it almost impossible for me mm -hmm. to do that um, at this stage in my life. So um, anyway, there are lots of challenges around that. What I will say is that in many cases, the great resignation is, is a coming to terms with what, with aligning passions and with what you can get excited about. And I think that a lot of people realized that they could not get excited <laughs> about their existing employer. Um, and so even, I mean, we've hired some, some team members who had some very traditional roles at some very traditional firms, auditors even, and we don't even do audit, <laughs> but it's coming from a place of they know that there is a better way to do accounting out there and they want to be a part of it. There's got to be something out there that is not that grind, right? That is yeah. not that going through a tax season the way that every other firm goes through a tax season. There is not, um, not saying that we don't have a rush. We absolutely do. But the way that we treat our humans and the way that we um, interact with clients during those times are much different than I think what you see at a traditional firm. And that's what makes it attractive. Yeah. And, I, and we totally agree. And, you know, that's our part of our motto here at Wealth Management Forward is, you know, partner with the robots, don't fight them. And, you know, it's using those robots that make you do a you know, higher level task and, and provide that value service to the client. Um, so, you know, utilizing that technology to, um, to make your firm more attractive. Uh, one last, you know, topic I got to touch on, Rachel, is marketing. Um, you know, I know you uh, are out on social media, on LinkedIn, Twitter. I see your fish emoji. I get super excited. <laughs> I'm thinking about doing a lion emoji for Rory, for a roaring lion. <laughs> um, so can you give just a couple tips for firms out there um, who are trying to elevate their marketing game? Um, you know, what can they do on social media to kind of stand out um, in the marketplace? So there are lots of different approaches. I don't think there's any one set of rules. I will attribute the emoji thing. Yeah. It was either on the cloud accounting podcast or it was from Blake. Yeah. And it was like a way to get rid of spammers because you know that if somebody hops yeah. into your DMs that starts with, hey, fish, yeah. you know, with my little fish picture, yeah. that that was a bot and that was not a person and I can ignore it. So it, it works out well. Plus then people know how to pronounce my last name. So it's not it's it's fish, um, but yeah, it's been it's been super handy for let's see social media. What I will say is so there's a difference between our firm presence and my personal presence, mm -hmm. um, which I also think is important. Um, I think it is important for accounting firms to have brand ambassadors so that people, uh, potential clients or other network, you know, peers see that there are actual people behind the brand and not just all bots or not just outsourced to somebody you know who doesn't know your tone or your feeling 
um, because there is an authenticity to it. There is a way to do it genuinely, um, to convey personality, even, you know, however many characters at a time Twitter is now. Um, and I've also learned a bit of the difference between a, you know, successful LinkedIn post and a successful tweet. Um, I learned that thing <laughs> to Anders Lulinberg, who I took a tweet that was getting a ton of activity. And I took that exact thing and I put it on LinkedIn and it got like two responses. I'm like, Anders, what's going on? Why, why isn't this getting like a ton of activity? It's because people on LinkedIn need a story. Uh, they need to follow, you know, a thread of logic or, um, you know, what is the point that you're making? So throwing out, you know, however many characters, 200, whatever. Um, it doesn't actually do anything for them. Asking yeah. just a question with no context doesn't actually do anything to a LinkedIn following. So making sure that your message corresponds with the platform is key. Um, and then making sure that you give, whether it's your firm or whether it's your brand ambassadors or a combination of the two, make sure that they have actually personality and that the personality is consistent with who they are. So at High Rock, we have a very specific kind of sassy, tone <laughs> and you can you can hear that tone or you can read that tone in blogs that we put out and in um you know people that we highlight or when we have a representative um as part of a podcast for example right <laughs> um it's just it's innate and so making sure that you're not disjointed in terms of who you are and the message and then of course making sure the message is appropriate for the platform Great, great. I love it. Uh, Rachel, thank you so much for coming on. We're looking to forward to High Rock's uh, CPA world domination. Uh, yes. if our, yeah, if our guests <laughs> want to get a hold of you, what's the best way for them to reach you? Best way? Uh, well, Twitter, uh, yeah. at FishBooks. Um, LinkedIn, of course, where all accounting professionals are, or um, email rachel at highrock.co, especially if you're interested in having a conversation about what you want to do next as your journey as an accounting firm owner or a leader. If that's something that I can help you with, I'd love to have that conversation. All opinions expressed by Rob Santos and Rory Henry on this website podcast interview are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Arrowroot Family Office LLC or their parent company or affiliates and may have been previously disseminated on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed by anyone as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of their opinions. Past performance is not indicative of future results.